you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Good morning. <laughs> Start writing up the invitation to the Death to the Sun event that Cam was going to have, because Cleveland is one of those big cities that's right in the path of the upcoming solar eclipse. So just figured I'd throw the moon on there. There we go. Okay. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Before we destroy it or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So where do we want to start? We got, as each week you say, okay, let's hit the things that we didn't get to this week. Here's my new list of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ever-growing list. And yet we let our whim be our guide, whatever's the fun stuff to talk about, whatever right. the interesting, I'm sure we'll hit it. So yep. uh, one of the things that you shared was, you got a big update, like a treasure chest oh. update, the Firefly game. So yes. is it a Kickstarter project, or how did this come to be? It was basically Kickstarter, but it was okay. Game Found, which is like Kickstarter, but focused on games. And so the uh, hopefully everybody listening to us knows Firefly. That's, you know, let's just go there. Right. If you don't know Firefly, it was 20-some years ago. Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, and a whole other cast, great people it's exactly. a it, single season it's, uh, i've heard it described as wagon train in space yeah, well, that, a little bit. Yeah, that's how roddenberry described star trek to get the ah, pilot okay. made. yeah okay. um, but yeah it's space cowboy is what it is and so there was a firefly called firefly the game very original that was out 15 ish years ago and it was one of those i'm like oh that does look interesting just not the right time of my life to be getting a game and they came out with a whole bunch of expansions over time and of course it went out of print you know, harder to find uh sure. so i've been wanting it for quite a while and a little year and a half ish ago uh, i ran into a thing where it was uh, this company gale force nine that said hey it's the 10th anniversary of the firefly game we want to create something for all of you here's a re-release of the game with all eight expansions and a big treasure chest wow. you get everything uh and i was like oh cool now of course then i started going oh what are these add-ons that they have <laughs> and it's yeah, like it's kind of funny it really just a little bit firefly was never a big thing it was only a single season it really is kind of culty a lot of people in it went on to do great things like you yeah. said nathan fillion has been in five successful series since then or something and yet there are people that are fanatically in love with this thing. You know what I mean? They really do continually write the studios. Hey, could we revive this? Could we even get the cast back together? Have anything yeah. died off? I don't think. No, I don't play book. Book. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. It'll come to me. It, so already there's, you know, sometimes you wait too long and the Beatles aren't getting back together. But here's <laughs> my thing. Why don't they do an animated series of it? Because... You, it would be easier for to get all the cast wherever they're at to do their lines, record it, and then put it all together. You know, great, yeah, to have them all on screen and all that, but it's 20 years different. They they look different. You know, I think animated would be the best way to go, and I'd be exactly. all for it if it's a... Don't treat it like it's 
corny like the old D cartoon keep it the right. same feel enough, enough of the characters have very distinctive voices so it really would be animating them it wouldn't be well just that it would be it, that's a very good idea to stave off the ravages of time if you will you know right. what I mean? so, so i got the thing and oh my gosh just imagine whatever game the main game and eight expansions with all the pieces and it's just a lot of cardboard. Now, the add-ons, this was the thing. So it comes with these little plastic ships, and they're like singular colored. But you could get the add-on where it had unique ships that were like uh, 3D printed or, or lead or whatever the pieces okay. are. You know, you could add that on. And you could add on, instead of the cardboard that you're popping out, you can add on a bag of plastic chips and you get a little more weight to them. And I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, with all the add-ons, this is like $750. I am never I, I, going... I hesitated to ask. Like, I thought, is this 100 100 Oh, God, no. Good Lord. It really... What you just that? If each of the things... 50 bucks eight expansions it really runs into money quickly and upgrading the quality of things so that if you want to play it a lot it doesn't immediately start kind of like fraying around the edges you know what i mean right. Cardboard, things don't necessarily hold up that well all it takes is right. one spill and you destroy things yeah but i think the the whole kickstarter you know these sold for 50 60 the expansions maybe 35 50 so it's a good 250 three well three to four hundred but i think the kickstarter was like 250 so i'm like that's not outrageous to get everything i have plenty of games in there that i've spent 60 80 bucks on and then bought expansions for another 50 or whatever it's and just you don't realize how you do keep adding to it there's a game called cosmic encounters long ago that oh yeah the first ones that actually had i think four up to four ex expansion packs and each one of them changed the game enough that it was worth revisiting the game and incorporating these things so how are you going to do it are you going to play the original game and then like kind of add them in chronological release order or well, are you going to throw them together and have this much expanded universe no, that's, what are you going to do? that's so funny you say that because that's what i would do i'd be like okay i need some people to play here's the base game great let's add the next expansion they do want but it doesn't really separate them the rule book and the pieces they're all in there together so you don't really know what all the expansions are it's just oh, all the oh stuff uh, but okay. the game itself and honestly i have never played it i've always wanted to i've read over the rules and i'm like this is one of those games that is not overly difficult to grasp the rules are fairly simple it's okay here's a map where you got planets here's job cards here's your crew you see what upgrades you have on your ship here's uh, the stuff you're carrying and it all makes logical exactly. sense when you it's read like a railroad it. game where you decide what are your what are you laden and what destination is and you're going to get money from the right yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. it so you don't have to it's easy to grasp the concept oh if i move my ship to that planet this job is where I pick up something. Now I have to go to right. this planet the to deliver. The crystals are now worth something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the basic rules aren't okay. just crazy or anything. So I'm like, this is a game that is probably a good transition game. If you've played things like maybe Dominion or Splendor or something that wasn't complicated and you had fun with, this is the next step to much more difficult games. Okay. And it's kind of funny when you do any kind of railroad mapping game, it's like the country is only so big. Space, really big. Just ask Douglas Adams, really on mind staggeringly yes. big. And so so <laughs> I compared. So, okay. Now I did have the original game. I got it at Barnes and Noble. Actually, this kind of, I went, Ur. so 
I was at Barnes and Noble and it said, here's the Firefly game, but it's the Barnes and Noble edition, which adds a fifth character. So you have a few new cards, a new ship. So instead of four people, you can play with five, add more to it. And I'm like, I can't pass that up. (laughs) So now that I got, but I never played it. And then literally two weeks after that, I found this 10th year anniversary Kickstarter. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But I took the unique fifth player stuff out of the original and put it into the 10th edition so I could play 10 so you people. Can play. Five people on growing them. and stuff. Yeah. It sounds, fan, you know, it's one of those things that like, it isn't just you sit down to play the game. You're always thinking, there's so much game here. I'm going to have to play this 10 times in order to explore, in order to. The possibilities. To really get all the possibilities because infinite you know, diversity, diversity and infinite infinite combinations. Combinations <laughs> makes these things explode, combinatorial explosions. So, yeah. and okay. the original map cardboard map out of the original game it's whatever it's a certain size this 10th anniversary came with a neoprene map that lays out real nice but it's like this big i mean you go from this to this it is oh my god there's just so much here and the box like you said you saw the picture it's like a treasure chest and i put the original box next to it and you could probably fit at least seven to nine of the original boxes in the this thing yeah wow. it's huge so i will bring it to an rg i'll announce first tell me if you want to play this because it's a bit to lug it around and they do say everything i've read that if you have four people even people that have played it it's at least a two-hour game it could be up to three hours for people that are still kind of learning right. so it's a longer go off to a corner of the game yeah. room and really kind of commit there's people oh, we have, uh, we're both in mensa there's people at mensa events that used to play rail games that's what they did. Everybody else was going to multiple programs, playing multiple games, hospitalizing, and like a clutch of three or four people, they just were so fascinated by build your rail lines, move your cargoes, get rewards, and so forth. And that's they had found kindred souls because Mensa is a good place to find out, yeah. not just gamers, but people who really will dig into a game, maybe a little fanatic about it and stuff like that. So, so, so what's the what's your mindset? What's your confidence level? to spend hundreds of dollars on a game that you haven't played. Okay. Because I kind of like when I buy a series, I I just bought a series of like eight books and then an additional four, if I remember right. And just from the little ads on Facebook from this woman who's writing this series, it's like a revenge fantasy. Women are getting it pretty badly nowadays in some ways. And one woman gets tired. I I just, because I like the theme because I liked her. I like said, sure, I'll throw a hundred dollars at that. Not having read except cover blurb. And I like, what emboldens me to do that? You'd think I'd try one and then say, good enough, let's go. Because I've had a couple series where I bought a trilogy and the first one wasn't good enough to complete. It's like, oh, I should have had a little caution there. Yeah. Tell me, because you love Firefly, because you, yes. is, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. No, 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 no. So yeah. you know, we've talked about the games and I have kickstarted quite a few games over the last couple of years. But mostly it's games I've already had or played that it's like the uh, new revision, big deluxe and whatever. So Sentinels of the Multiverse, I'd played it multiple times and loved it. They came out with a new edition with some additional stuff. So it was from a company I knew, trusted, and I knew I played the game. But yeah, I did the brand awareness that can lead you to this is good over here. It doesn't really matter what the the theme of the game is. I trust their their game dynamics. Absolutely. A good game, the quality of the materials and stuff. And it was the same with the DC deck builder, the same with Star Realms. I'd already played them. I had the beginner or played someone else's. And so here in one fell swoop, 
I get everything. I, that's my OCD. Well, if I'm going to get a game, I can't get right. just the game in expansion number three. That just does not work for me. It would keep me up at night and give me an ulcer. That's so it. I really am the guy that I need to have when I have one. I want to have if there's exactly. N, I have all in. And I have a friend, Jeff, that, like I said, while a series is coming out, he doesn't buy it and read each book as it's coming out. He has to know that this, the, I came to a conclusion because he had a traumatic event when young of <laughs> author dying while they were still writing it. And it, it really bothered him that it didn't come to the author's satisfying conclusion. So now he doesn't trust. Now he always yeah. waits until they're all out and then buy him in back read. You know right. what I mean? And yes, there's some risk with like a Kickstarter. It may not come out, or, but it was an, a company that has games. They already are established. It was a property I love. And it was a game that I've heard a lot about. People say, oh yeah, that's fun. Oh yeah, I enjoy it. It must be popular enough that they said, we're going to put it all together and people are going to spend a couple hundred dollars to get it. And so, and, and before I even put my bid in to pay, they had already Mac gone over their, what they needed. So I'm like, okay, so it's funded. When you meet goal, then you're pretty sure well, there's going to be something coming out. It isn't like this is just, if I don't meet goal, then I, Pull, you know, I, I kind of pull up the tents and go to the next town. You right. Know what I mean? Okay. Right. So we, we, I, we've been to Mind Game, which is Mensa's event that they do play testing of all kinds of games. It's in April. And then you get to know what's going to be coming out for Christmas time and can get good games for your friends and family. I think that it's still restricted in terms of they go to all the various different game manufacturers and say, hey, what's your latest? And they take uh, submission. So they both solicit and accept submissions. But I really don't, I've never seen anything there that I thought was they searched Kickstarter and looked for the ones that are like most successful or reached goal in the least number of days. That would be a good way of turning people onto that underground of games because they're still nicely produced and stuff like that. But that really, I mean, I totally get what you're saying and agree to a point, but that really opens up a can of worms is without having an established publisher and distributor, there are so many hopefuls that are on Kickstarter that don't know how to make a game, that don't have the resources to make it look play good and play test it. And they're like, hey, I have this great game idea. You know, it's going to do this, it's going to do this, it's going to do this. I only need $20,000. Everybody give me money and I'll make it. But they right. have no clue how to make a game. They don't know how to write the rule. So that really would be... I was saying a little bit of what you just talked about. You buy from an established vendor. This is yeah. the fourth time they've shown that they've done it before. Kind of like when I buy comic books via Kickstarter or any of the other fund, you know, GoFundMe's and stuff like that. It's because they've proved they can ship. They really get to right. get something for my money, not just all that. It, and most of them are like, you won't get charged until this becomes reality. But because there's a time element to mind games, they have to make sure, yeah, it's available come early April to make sure that we have these things to play. So I get it. It just is, that seems like a, a any number of mentions that I know love the, I wouldn't even call them underground. They're crowdfunded. They're high quality games, but for more and more specific niche markets that you don't see them in Barnes and Noble and various other big retailer stores, but there's 10,000 copies of it out. So I don't know, that's something that I've talked about but haven't really gone to the right people and proposed it and stuff like that. And it, it one of those things where do they have someone on staff that can take on that gig? All they'd have to do is put a little advertisement in the Mensa Bulletin saying, hey, we're looking for someone to survey the world of Kickstarter and GoFundMe games and make some recommendations. And the first year you try two, and if that works out, then you try six, that kind of thing. It seems like a an untapped area for a crowd that really would be pleased by those being available. 
Not sure. Not sure. But uh, yeah, that I really think because the other problem is it, it Hasbro or Gale Force Nine, the, these companies come out with maybe a game or two a year or, a, you know, a game or two family, a game or two strategy, whatever. Or if you go on Kickstarter and just look up games that are currently looking, it's 9,000. So you're always going to miss a good one. You're always going to pick a bad one. And if you pick too many of those bad ones, how many uh, mind games people go, yeah, that game sucked. Don't even bother playing it. And how many before you avoid it? And then it's like that slot could have been used for a better game, but we just didn't see it. True enough. What I wonder about is what I just said about, do they really check Kickstarter? I've seen some things from such small publishers, or it was like their first game, that maybe they did find it through there, and I'm just not aware of the process. I don't know. Going back, and some of them have really been like the laughed at losers, rat-a-tat cat, and stuff like that. Sometimes obscure places really come and they hit a home run first at bat, and other times uh, Exploding like, Kittens is wow. a great example. Like that, exactly. And sometimes they're very derivative or they're very poorly produced or they didn't even bother to spell and grammar check the rules and stuff like that. So that's what publisher agreed to publish this without having a certain amount of quality control. So maybe they really already, whatever sources they're using, I think it's because there's an open call. If you look on the website, they are accepting submissions from various different places. And my guess is they're always looking to get the numbers up. So it's not, I, I don't know that there's a limit. You know what I mean? It really is that we just had, I don't know, uh, 80 100 games instead of 60 or 70 they just have the randomizing would just have more people playing multiple things and i think that it could still work out getting quality up would still be an issue or at least but i don't know like i said there's not always that expectation of everything is of quality every year there's been half a dozen things where people were like man this was such a waste of time this was and that rumor kind of goes through the hallway the hall you're not always, you're not supposed to talk about to prejudge anything, to prejudice anybody else against it. And yet when you hear this corner is full of laughter and delight, and this corner is full of people going, what the hell? You know what I mean? <laughs> you can kind of tell just glancing over there. Oh, that's that stinker. I got to play yeah. it. Oh no. <laughs> and, and the quality with, there's a, so many places now that you can print on demand and with high quality products. So if you got good graphics and you get it printed, it's hard to tell the difference. And like you said, with the trusted, so I kickstarted the third version of Thunderstone several years ago because I absolutely loved version one and two. You know, I played them all the time. So I wanted three. This was one of those that was huge. Literally, I got another footlocker size thing. But the Kickstarter was, look, we want to come out with this game. We're planning on this and this as the first two mini expansions. You get it all in the Kickstarter. Plus, we're going to give you little figures, which you won't get in the store. Plus, we're going to give you these cards. And so it was like, if we hit this certain number, now you get this. And if we hit this number, now we get this. All and, the stretch goals are actually sometimes very convincing. Like that would yeah. make a better game. You know what I mean? Let's, oh, yeah. let's to them. I want them to do this. Okay. And, and now they've done several other follow-up Kickstarters. Uh, okay. So if you don't have the original, you, you don't want to do this one. So they always offer the original with it, a package. They do, that makes sense. But it's a known game, known company. And I've yeah. Kickstarted three or four sets. I have three locker boxes sitting on a low shelf that are all Thunderstone. <laughs> That's pretty funny. When a certain vendor starts to dominate the shelves, like, okay, they're putting out good stuff or they're putting out big stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It, it, and I know people get overwhelmed, but Gina and her kids, when I first pulled it out, she's like, 
oh dear god that i, I don't know if i can handle playing that game and i'm like holding uh, this is you, you don't play with everything at one time <laughs> so it can be intimidating exactly yeah Colin and I, I was looking for interesting games but we play we have family game night with her sisters a couple times and but they they really they're not gamers that but they aren't taking on learning dominion or learn not only that whole process that you go through in mind games of learning and judging quality and that kind of stuff they really just it's a social thing they want something to do with their hands while we talk and goof off they want to play something they know how to play well like card games like pinochle and stuff like that and but having said that we a lot of those little ten dollar box games that you see hanging on the at racks at target some of those are proven to be very funny because they're social you get people revealing things about themselves making little jokes best thing you can a friend just recommended tom recommended let's see vents fens with benefits where it's like making venn diagram things and of course the, they're supposed to make it funny as if everyone's a me that kind of thing so we'll we it's one of those things we keep trying things but trying things for ten dollars and having it work or not is different than trying of a 50 100 chest game and being oh i who am i going to play this with the only regular gaming thing that i have going on is this cam unfortunately doesn't have a regular games night anymore and so i, I have not regularly added to my game collection for a while now because of that not being near my brothers who were always up for a game or just i kind of like knowing that there are friends who are gaming fanatics i kind of just like seek them out at the rg and say so what you playing lately oriel what do you think right. steve and they're always happy to share here's my latest discovery you know what i mean so i know ecom has started doing some gaming nights gaming saturdays or whatever and amber has yeah. been a big part of that and i might have to drive down because i miss it I think yeah me too more than colleen colleen doesn't necessarily like all the kinds of games all the kinds of games i like and stuff like that so that might be one of those things where okay hon why don't you go play your games and i'm gonna take a bath you know what i mean she'll do right. lady games around the house and stuff like that it's nice to get me out of the house once in a while so she just has some alone time <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? for happy couples <laughs> and, and our library ravenna library in association with the local game store they offer games you could check out of the library so that's something that to some our library also you can check out cake pans which doesn't happen very often at a library are those jigsaw puzzles there's a couple libraries that have started doing that that it's not just both so yeah one thing that covid really hurt was there were a whole bunch of gaming cafes that had opened up we had side quest right here in lakewood and it just couldn't survive it stayed open for a long time it wasn't the initial surge of covid that killed it it was years and years of just not being able to like how are you going to make rent if you're not getting enough customers if they're not staying for long enough it their business model got torn apart by gaming is automatically a social thing and you got to have things that will have people stay there for hours not to and I don't know, like a sports bar. You know what I mean? The whole point of having the sports on is because that way people will stick around for three hours while the game is on and drink right. beer. And I think that there's some that survived or some that have reopened since then, but I, it's hard to not have that available easy walking distance. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. There's a game store in Akron called Full Grip Games, and I've been very impressed by their shelves and what they have for sale. They have quite a few shelves and lanes and lots of games. Uh, I've been able to pick up several things there that I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this and I've wanted it. Let me grab it. And they are now opened up the Green Dragon Cafe upstairs, which you can go get some food and play with people. And they have a back room you can rent out if you have a larger group or something. So yeah. I, I know people have been there and I've been there and it's fun. My only slight complaint was uh, I went with two friends. There were only three of us and we were playing the DC deck builder and that much on the table took up 
pretty much most of the table. And then we had drinks and stuff. And I'm like, man, something's going to get spilled all over my cards. So that just makes me nervous. The tables need to be just a bit bigger. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of funny. This really isn't a new thing. I remember I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and there was a place in Mount Prospect. I'm pretty sure maybe displays that was the first gaming store that wasn't just selling games, but had that back room, maybe back two rooms where there was a regular gaming group that would get together and not so much me, but my younger brother's friends regularly went there and took part in D and D campaigns. And the first, the communal games where you'd get people playing access and allies or diplomacy and not just your group of friends, but learning people's gaming styles. And we used to go, I think I've mentioned to all the different game cons when Gen Con was like a little tiny thing at Whitewater campus at university of Wisconsin it was a whole different thing than now the 100,000 people version, first in Milwaukee, now in Indianapolis. I, it was fun to discover those things in those days. And even then there was, say, my younger brother and his friends played many more miniatures than I did. They used mm. to have amazing steady hand painting ability to kind of a little lead figure, be able to paint different sigils on each shield for different regiments and stuff like that. And really cool. So they sent away for a lot of stuff and quality varied. You always had to cut things out and take the little flashings off and stuff like that. But even then, there were better mold makers than others. So one day I discovered this place called the Emperor's Headquarters and we drove into the city and like one of those where you open the doors to Oz. It wasn't just a little place. It was two stories and a whole one floor was uh, all the games for sale and the next floor up and you kind of had to be invited up there that it was just as many things of those kinds of things he specialized in not just any not just revolutionary war but civil war but napoleonics oh but yeah every there a whole section for each of these various different things and they were in there for hours and them going through i didn't bring enough money i usually go in knowing i'm gonna find a couple blister packs of stuff and like al can we borrow money we we need to get these things we might never see them again <laughs> i learned the background he was the emperor was a guy that was actually also in my Mac user group. I used to be the president of a thing called The Rest of Us in Chicago, the big downtown Mac user group, pretty cool. Um, and he had like inherited money. And of all the things he wanted to do in the world, he wanted to open his game store, the ultimate wow, game nice. store, especially for figures. And so all the world benefited from this guy's cool love of this stuff and you know you could find everything you wanted there you could special order everything it, it he had great events there it was the fact that it was just into the city it was 45 minutes to an hour to get there parking was difficult I remember if it was like on north and irving park or something like that i don't know that for sure anyway it i know it was on irving park um <laughs> so so i just even though we're, there's game stores now that also seem to be recreating that cool as they opened up the emerald dragon and stuff like that it Gaming is one of those things that inspires a certain amount of fanaticism where they're not only like their best customer, they kind of want to be the purveyor because they love being in early on all those things. They want to uh, sell the magic cards. And that was a big event. And just who are they going to hang out with? All their gaming friends. And while they're playing, then somebody, I'll just step to the register a while and check this guy out. You know what I mean? You're, you're, I used to love hanging out with those guys. Because, and we laugh about this all the time, that kind of gamer, probably a lot of them are on the spectrum because they love the rules and they love knowing everything about it and they love all the calculation and the focus that goes into it. But because so many of those games are social, they still had to know, like, 
how to deal with human beings, how to negotiate a treaty, how to, you know what I mean? Isn't it interesting? (laughs) So real quick, shout out to Battlegrounds here in Ravenna, because they just recently had a playtest group come in for a game that some guy's working on. People look out for playtest games because developers it's very hard to make a game. It's very hard to make a good game. It goes through many iterations and it always needs feedback and people playing it. Check local game stores more often. Uh, but what you said about the autism thing, that's, you know, we've talked about autism last week. And I think that there's probably a good group of people that if you tried to talk to them, engage with them, put them in a group or whatever, they'd be awkward. They wouldn't know, it. they'd say the wrong thing, not know what to say, they'd stand out. Oh yeah, that person's definitely on the spectrum. But you put them in a game situation with a group of gamers and you don't notice that difference, that they click, that their focus is on the game and they open up a bit more maybe. Uh, I've seen that a lot. Their own people and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, it's funny, it, there were girls there. And for all of, there's a lid for every pot. It was very cool to see the sweet, smart, librarian stereotype girls that they liked those guys. It wasn't about, are you the big man on campus and stuff like that? It was like, I like this guy that can think this well, that can plan ahead, that can make a difficult game easy to understand. They like playing those things too. And as you might imagine, when it is, I don't know, 70% guys, the ladies that come in, all the guys are like, so like, wow, there's, there's a girl here. At first I'm nervous, but now he sure is nice and pretty. And maybe I have hope. Maybe there's hope for me. So- <laughs> Another thing the Big Bang Theory gave us all is a little hope for that, that there is a girl for everybody, except for Raj. <laughs> what else is on our topic of discussion here? <laughs> Let's see. I've, I've been watching True North, that is the true detective in Night Country, I don't know why I put those together. There must be a True North mention there or something like that. But Synapse there's been multiple fire. series, exactly. There's been multiple series of True Detective, and they've all been quite different, different stars and different settings and plots and stuff like that. And the reason I think this one is interesting is because the previous ones have been variations on procedural where there's sometimes terrible crimes being done and they have to figure out either because it's over the course of time and witnesses have faded or because he has really a master criminal and has hidden his tracks well. But this had a supernatural element. It's set up in Alaska, where there's automatically that interesting tension of it's an Alaskan research station. So there's only so many people there and only so many places they can go. And how did people get killed? And there's an element of, if you don't know what else to try, you kind of go to the spooky you know what I mean? If it really is like that locked room mystery, there's always that little bit of how, how did it happen? And sometimes people go in the absence of facts to woo stuff. Mm-hmm. There's enough in how they're filming it that it really might be. And, and it's also, um, there's interaction between the Inuits or I don't know, American Indian tribes and exactly, but I think it's Inuits or other Eskimo, what we used to call up there. And they have their own culture and their own, uh, they circle the wagons when you can't be on our land. You're, you might be an inspector, but and this guy might've participated in it, but you have to get not just a warrant, but we have to invite you to come on onto our land and continue this investigation. And they have their own culture and their own superstition and their own sets of gods. And when it starts to look like someone had from the white world had stumbled onto some of that woo stuff and then maybe they didn't know what they were doing so it's kind of like i decided to learn voodoo but i really don't know the downside of voodoo and so i put some sigils on things and then oh that invited an evil spirit there's indications that it might be that or it might be that because you're up there isolated you kind of go crazy a little bit 
You know what I mean? And right. so they're playing it really well with the people who are hard evidence, hard science people, but they can't quite explain it. But then do they embrace the woo and other people that leap to it, but then they find out it can't be that. So it's got great tension, not only between solving the crime, but the clash of cultures, the clash of science versus superstition. And very interesting. Uh, Jodie Foster is in it. There's a couple huh. bigger names in it and stuff like what, that. What's so, the streaming on? Uh, I should know. I think Max, probably Max. Yeah. Is, yeah. is it one of those eight or 10 episodes exactly. per season? Each of them, I think, has been eight, I think has been each eight. And that the previous one had been where there's like a, uh, two policemen that had seen terrible things happen in very racial down south. They're having to come to terms with, I kind of can't die without revealing the truth of what really happened. But there's all kinds of forces that are saying, no, that can never come out. And one of the guys even has Alzheimer's and is losing his memory. So he's not dependable. And it just is, it was very much the, the do people really have a conscience? And even if they did a terrible thing for all the right reasons and suppressed it for all these years, there's something that comes from expiating yourself from just finally saying, I, this can't stay hidden. And that was also very well done. Multiple suspects who could have done the thing. And of course the town is ready to lynch somebody because it was children that were harmed. And yet they kind of make a couple of mistakes and then don't lynch the next one. You've been wrong four times. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? So process of elimination. Like, oh, look, I, I you guess. sunk and drowned. You must be <laughs> innocent. Well, <laughs> what's funny are these and we've laughed about fiction is often just a reflection of what's going on in the world and you can't comment on it directly without getting people all up in arms but you can tell the story and so what did we do we world trade center fell wow terrible people did it who are they associated with well i'm not quite sure but i'm going after this guy because i just hate him like, there's a little bit of that going on here there's always been a lynching spirit where it's like the town wants to rush to get somebody. The police want to rush to close the case. And people, sometimes they really are so loathsome that they would be better if they were removed from the world. But sometimes well, that's not right. You know, you can be a really unpleasant person, but you don't get to be sacrificed on the altar. <laughs> yes. Of, you have to well, kill someone for you, this. So, you know, things are about to get wild if David Duchovny shows up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i, I re really recommend that there in the past ones the very first one was matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson there's often been real good tension between the lead actors i think the next one was oh, it doesn't matter each of those has had its own the title true detective is the only link between them it's not an ongoing story it's actually a series of vignettes like of a series of mini series like that exactly and so i guess it's a brand because it really they've all been high quality they've all been tricky you know what i mean they've all had they've all been complex it's not just find the guy from the fingerprints and get him it's all been lots of other stuff going on billy bob thornton was in the second season oh. if i remember i'm trying to think who else so just that they maybe it's one of those things where they're attracting people like hey We'll leave you alone. Tell the best story that you want. We'll give you a budget. You know what I mean? We'll get, let you do locale shooting and all that kind of stuff. And well, so it isn't just churn episodes out. It's really make a quality thing. So. You know, HBO, which is where Max comes from, even though now I have no idea who owns the main company and I have no idea how many other companies they're a part of all of that. They got Discovery and whatever mm -hmm. else. But HBO was like one of the first to put on a, a TV show that you wouldn't see on three, five, or eight way That's back right. in the day. So yeah, that, they, it was a little bit more out there, a little bit more niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another 300 channels, you can have a whole bunch of niches that you're filling. That's, you know, 
one of the things that has struck me about, I think they're in, on episode four out of eight, it's being released. And so I haven't been able to binge watch it. I've been, I just caught up. They, um, the show is really good at capturing how people are very internal and that they can act in society as if they're fine, all is well. And then they go and do something crazy. Okay, let's be fair there. There's enough crazy people out there nowadays that even crazy fits in and you don't notice it. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. Oops, sorry. They, some part of what's going on is it, it. they used to have it be, hey, if you're going to be like a Dick Tracy villain, you were terribly disfigured. You had the right. brow. You had flat top. There was like, ding, ding, ding. That guy's a bad guy. Look at him. <laughs> And then they started to have that they kind of couldn't help themselves, that they might be able to act a little bit like they fit into society, but eventually they'd start raving. They'd take that lizard mask, that mask off and be the lizard underneath. And <laughs> if it wasn't for those darn kids <laughs> like that. And this is really interesting because it's not only the evil people that are like that. There's all kinds of people that are, you just can't tell how much they're hurt, how much they're damaged by things. And so when someone seems to be holding it together and then, you don't even know what it was that made him snap. What made what was finally the straw that broke the camel's back. And there's, I don't think I'm giving anything away to say, you know, when you're in that kind of isolated, dark, et cetera, suicide is a problem. It's not only on Arctic stations, it's in Finland and stuff like that. Higher than normal rates because of seasonal affective disorder, whatever it's called to the nth. And that's one of the things that happens here is that people are investing so much into making the kids safe, making their family safe, making the community safe. And then they kind of betray them by no matter how safe you try to make them, they might still find a way to wriggle from your grasp and jump in the Arctic Ocean or whatever. I was like, what? Why? It seemed that things were going so well. So there's a whole series of gut punches of like, even while you're being a good person and trying to be a protector and be a crusader and stop bad things from happening, some people are just drawn to the flame. They just... <laughs> It's very disconcerting in that regard. You yeah. know what I mean? That it isn't just that the villain keeps taking care of people. Some people take themselves out. And if, oh, oh it's, it not not a, it's not a happy-go-lucky series. It's not a laugh a minute. You know, there's good humor. There's good interactions between characters that give you that safety valve, if you will. But I, I love series where I really don't know what's going to happen next. And this is one of them. I'm watching close and I'm trying to put together this. And who is that? And what do they have to do over here? And they're good at leaking little hints and no, that looks like an ice cave and stuff like that, but it's unfathomable currently. And I'm halfway through, you know what I mean? It isn't like how many times have I seen, honestly, within the first 20 minutes, let's find that guy. Right. And then of course the rest of the thing is just watching the noose tighten around the bad guy. <laughs> so I'm digging it. <laughs> My mother discovered a couple series because she likes the crime stuff and whatever. So she discovered Murdoch mysteries, which are Victorian era, a little James Bond, or not James Bond, but a little Sherlock Holmes, a okay. little sciencey. They prove things by fingerprints and stuff. It really wasn't the first advent of those things. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she loves that series. Then there, the other one is, I think the Midsummer Murders or whatever. Up title, exactly. Okay, so it's from my understanding, it's a little bit like a murder she wrote, where it's a town and it's your central figure that figures stuff out, but everybody in the town keeps dropping dead. <laughs> and I guess I'm laughing because it's a small, quaint town, kind of like Murder She Wrote was, but it's on its 23rd season. Right. I'm like. Why have these people freaking moved out? Oh, look, there's another murder today. I'd be moving. Yeah, yeah. Isn't this isn't the city empty yet? Yes. 
well, there's me and you left. So I guess we know which one's the murderer and which, you know. It's really to focus on the geekery aspect of it. One of the things that I love doing is life isn't just now. It isn't in the era of cell phones and satellites and all that kind of stuff to be able to go back in time and say, what was it like when fingerprints were first coming out? What was it like before there were fingerprints? And you just had to go with only eyewitness testimony and you find out how flawed that is. And there's all kinds of ways of being able to transport back in time. And the first Pinkertons, the, the, I like being able to have people that are able to recreate authentically. It wasn't instant communication. You had to send a cable across the ocean. You had to drive a car to the next town. You might be able to like, you know, get there via stuff like that, but it, it makes for different pacing and very yeah. different. Like how do you not even just solve a crime? How do you have a relationship? You know what I mean? They really did have mail order brides at some point that, you hadn't gotten a picture via your phone. You hadn't gotten a fax with a grainy image. It just was, <laughs> they sound nice on print. You know what I mean? Maybe they had the ability to send a daguerreotype via a letter and stuff like that. But it's, I've always, I liked reading the pulps because it was like, that. what was it like to live back in the 20s, 30s, 40s when there were the first jet airplanes? There were the automatic weapons. That's not true, not automatic, but like uh, cartridge versus revolver and stuff like that and how each of those changes can really affect the world when you what was it like before you could cure diseases when it really was if you got certain things and penicillin didn't care didn't take care of it and that wasn't until this 100 years ago was penicillin right. it wasn't right. you had that for five it used to be sulfur drugs that you'd rub in a wound because it would stop gangrene and infection but it didn't they didn't have way of anyway anyway i like that it's a good mental exercise to me to put myself into those periods and say, so what would you do to pursue this? To We just we tried watching, we just watched the first episode of the series called The Gilded Age. And yeah. it's about the turn of the century United States when their railroads were still the rule, there were no cars. And so that's really that people built amazing fortunes based on being the first ones to run railroads and carry lots of goods from city to city. And what did they use their money for? Did they use it to accumulate more money? Did they use it to build the biggest house? They, they had. There's a whole bunch of like, wow, with all that money and power, there's only a certain number of that created libraries, and they did it at the end of their life to make up for how what terrible, evil, rapacious businessmen they had been. You know, so it wasn't like Carnegie was only a good guy. You know what I mean? The fact that, and same with Rockefeller, and same with there's all guys. So this. It's an interesting series, but I don't think we're going to continue to watch it because you know how you want to have, you want to care about some characters. I, there are so many bad characters in here that are really too greedy or too competitive or too, they'll do anything, sociopath, psychopath. And the nice people seem to be like, are they just going to keep getting in the neck? Does, does, does they, are there just little boats tossed around on this vast ocean of terrible circumstance? So, that reminds me of a show that Colin has watched and told me multiple times is Hell on Wheels. He says okay. it's a really great show. It's about the robber baron train uh, conglomerates, but it's a Western because of the time period and stuff. And he recommends that. And also, speaking of all the cop shows, did you see that they came out with a Mr. Monk's final case movie on Peacock, I think? I think I saw it, but I, and it's out now because I think yeah. I read about it when it was scheduled to come out. Right. I didn't know it's now out. Okay. Yeah, it's out. I never watched the series, so I don't have eight series under oh. my belt. And then I need to watch this. Oh, you know, man. So. You never saw Monk? 
No, no. Okay. I, there's, there's so much TV that I can do. I, yeah, there <laughs> always is. But Shaloub is just so fantastic in that show. And it's what I like it because I'm not big on the cop shows. I don't watch CSI or NCIS or ZWP. What I don't know what all the acronyms are. I don't mm-hmm. like care for those a lot. But I liked Monk and a few others because they had something unique, something different. He's very Sherlock Holmes. Uh, so he's definitely also the kid. a lot of OCD, right? That he has exactly. Three, yeah, these guys and, have to check the oven three times and things like that. Right. Okay. And they do a great job. Some people, oh, after so long, why does this, is this still something that bothers him? Blah 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 blah. And but that's the character, and it's a fun show. So I was like, oh, they came out the final movie. So that's ought to be cool. It's like 10, 20 years later, whatever it is. Right. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go check that out. So that's another one to. Oh, great. Let me add it to the list because I don't have a treasure chest of gaming to get to. All right. Let's see. Eight hours times 13 seasons equals 124 hours to watch. If I would just win that lottery, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I'd pay everybody to come over here and play my games and watch TV with me. What I have is knowing nothing about the show, except that he's OCD and has things about germs and things being in order and stuff like that. What I did see was they put out the videos or the VHS tapes and it was, they all have monk. And then on the last one, they put monk on the bottom and his face on the top instead. So that everybody who wants to have it all displayed on the wall is going to be like getting all the twitch going. (laughs) Why did they do that? The show about the OCD guy. Let's mess with all the OCD people by exactly. He was my hero and they wrecked it for me. So (laughs) I wonder if they even realized they did that or if it was on purpose. I'm sure that it was calculated. I'm sure that was this one final hilarious tweak to people who they, that's what this show is about is that Monk would not be able to stand seeing his adventures on the show. That's pretty He'd funny. have to flip one over, but then the thought would be revert. You know what I mean? It's like, that's yeah. just the kind of thing that would drive him bug house. Absolutely. So. It would. <laughs> that's so funny. I love that. <laughs> We'll see what else. Uh, we'll so see. you mentioned your uh, some your trip you're traveling in May. Uh, so before I forget, FYI, I'm out all next week, so we won't have a show next week. I'll okay. be gone. Uh, so what is this really cool trip in May? Because I'm like, you're going to be doing what? <laughs> so actually, so May is the visit to the Isle of Wight, which I think I talked about before. Yes. Because, well, I'm 64. March is actually our progressive. Oh, March. Trip. March, exactly. And what's cool about it is we're going to the Caribbean. We're he- heading out of Miami and going down to Grand Caymans and uh, Jamaica, Ocho Rios. And well, be careful. There's a warning about Jamaica travel right now. Is there really? Yeah, there is. Just take, check things out. Be careful. They issued a state warning oh. or whatever. All right. So maybe I'm happy because what we did was they have excursions that you can get. And almost all that we try to do is the things that are associated with the boat, because that way you can't be like, oh, we got too far away, didn't make it back. And now the boat's gone. <laughs> so we one of them is taking a catamaran, which is that cool raised on two yes. uh, thing uh, boat that can go very fast across the water. And it takes you to Stingray Bay. We're going to get to interact with manta rays. Nice. That's cool. They're gentle, as as beautiful and alien as they are. This big kind of flying in the water type guy. I never had a chance. I think I've touched one in a petting pool at San Diego, uh, whatever the water park. (laughs) SeaWorld or something, yeah. SeaWorld, thank you very much. And But this will be like you're really standing uh, waist deep water and they kind of come around and they're gentle. Wow, nice. I I don't know. How do you feed a manta ray? Their mouth is on the underside. So I will, I'm sure that, 
I not only just, hey, let's try that. You read the little reviews and you find out, yes, the people really know what they're doing and there's no abuse of the animals and there's no abuse of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You will be safe. So that's one. And then in, so that's, uh, let's see. That's the ones in the Grand Caymans. In Jamaica, it's actually, we are going to be on the island because we're going to climb the waterfall at Ocho Rios. You know, there's this beautiful wow. cascading series of things and it they've made it so that you really can go kind of tier by tier and sometimes slide down little chutes into the next pool and stuff like that. And I'm this is a terrible thing to say. I'm hoping that despite what might be going on in Jamaica, they really have to care about their tourist industry because that brings in so much money yeah. in these certain places like Ocho Rios and the Dunge River Falls, they kind of have to keep them safe. I hope. Yeah. Well, I really, I, I'm feeling really foolish. I was not, I would have thought that my cruise place would say, hey, be really careful. Do not take unauthorized <laughs> bus rides. Well, they want the nowhere. money too. If they lose yeah, one exactly. or two, it's collateral damage. That's right. So I, when I was there a long time ago, I, it really, maybe we've talked about this. I was really struck by, I don't have a, handle poverty well, like the crushing kids pushing postcards right. into your hands. Like they might not eat that night unless I take care of all of them. You know what I mean? It just, I really don't handle that well. It makes me cry and it makes me not want to be there because I know I'm, I'm not handling it well. Right. So I'm hoping that this is still going to be sheltered enough from having to interact with all the folks. I'm happy to buy one or two things and native art right. and you know what I mean? A little right. French well, when, or something like that, but I don't want to be mobbed. I don't want to be. Right. Uh, okay. When I worked on the cruise ship, uh, we uh, birthed in uh, Grand Cayman Island and, uh, and, and one or two others. But yeah, it was the kids would jump off the dock, come up with a shell and pass it off and that. Okay. But I never felt unsafe. We were walking around the streets, back streets away from the tourist area to go to this one bar Midnight, 3 a.m., just a couple of us walking around, never felt unsafe. So that was 30 years ago. Things obviously seem to have changed to have right. something like that in Jamaica. I would have never said, hey, you know, Jamaica is unsafe. I always thought, yeah, right. Jamaica was a nice, safe place. It wasn't right. industrial built up, like you said, but for a tourist, it was a safe place. It had to be because that was That's the cool. industry. <laughs> I know that Haiti, Haiti and or the Dominican Republic are really, they like, don't have the rule of law. They right. don't have enough policemen and military to overcome the gangs that are now running things. They had the assassination of their president six months ago and order has not been restored. And so I was aware of that. I hadn't read about Jamaica. I'm hoping that I didn't, well, put it this way. If it is that between now and then a month away, I read more and I really get disconcerted. I'm pretty sure I can't get a refund, but I would say that's the price of safety is to not go yeah. do that. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. So, yeah, yeah, check it out. I saw that on the news a couple of days ago. Uh, okay. So something that's very good. Do. But if you do go, I definitely want to see good pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely, you know, it. my biggest, it's kind of funny. My biggest hazard is I need to stay out of the sun. And there's not a lot of, um, there's a lot of sun down in yeah, Equatorial you, you're Caribbean. You're this far from the equator. So. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to have all my Tilly hat and my sunscreen and my SPF shirt and all that kind of stuff. And yet still, if you're out there for three, five hours, yeah, that stuff wears off. I got to make sure I bring it so I can reapply. Right. I have been so scrupulously careful <laughs> about not reinviting melanoma into my life that I really don't want to be. And then I was, I blew it. You know what I mean? I went into the ocean yeah. and the ocean washes that stuff away and I'm going to be really careful. Be, yeah. I hope that this will be okay.
So yeah. if it turns out that we just like stay on the boat and sip fruit cocktails, <laughs> fruity cocktails, I should say, that'll be okay too. <laughs> I remember working on the cruise ship and I asked the one director, I'm like, what the heck is up with this? We have a, this open game room every single cruise didn't matter if a three day a four day a five day it didn't matter you would always get the 80 year old group of seniors in there playing cards and never get off the boat never go on the shore and i'm like why would you pay all that money and they're like that's just what they do they have money and they want to spend it and that's what they do i'm like well, if all they're going to do is sit there and play cards and eat food, they can pay me to sit in my living room. I'll bring them food all freaking day for the amount of money they spent. <laughs> yeah, I My guess is there's going to be like some people go because they want the gluttony of the food because they want the like that, buffet, man. Yeah, that's the ticket. Exactly that. We're looking forward to it. Like she it's kind of funny we're also we're not big cruise people and yet this year two cruises came together that we really wanted to do the progressive rock one and this cruise of the baltic coming up in september and by the baltic meeting we're going to stop 10 different ports of call and go to all these different countries that are around the baltic sea so i always wanted to go to lithuania and estonia and latvia the baltic that's cool we're going to go to germany and poland we're going to go to the various different scandinavian countries the baltic baltic cruise exactly that hey i'm I'm something special (laughs) look at my name we, I'm hoping that the food on the boat will kind of reflect the country in whose port we are. That would so be great. We'll get the pierogi parade, and it will get good German food and good Lithuanian food and all that kind of stuff. That it's not just, uh, I don't know, opulence, that it's actually a little bit of reflection of where we're going. Because I think that's got to be of interest. When you're a diner, that's often what you're looking for is, what's the experience that I haven't had before? And if you've never had Estonian food, I really couldn't even name what's their national dish. Exactly. So yeah. that they try to do that, a little bit of representative sampling of it, those kinds and of things. that you know, area, so the great so thing with that area is you shouldn't have super bad weather where that is at and all that. Hopefully that one, you won't get turned over and seasick and stuff. Exactly. And so and now kind of funny, since what you just talked about, part when we first signed up for this cruise, it included St. Petersburg. Not anymore, because the Russians are they're they're not safe. It's they're, not they're safe bombing the tourists. They're bombing the tourists. And I know this is a terrible thing to say. If we don't take care of Ukraine, it's not only that I can't stand the thought of that, that the Russian bear expands and that they're trying to recreate the USSR and all the horrible life lost and the sovereignty of nations. It's that I don't know that I want to go to that section of the world if Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia are now once again, the Russian tanks are rolling in to re-attack them. I just, the timing could be terrible. I care much more about the world than I care about our visit and our little cruise, but it would suck if by coincidence, this bad thing happened just when we were going to go there. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping that there's a certain amount of stability that goes with they want the tourist dollars and that, et cetera, but the countries are going to try to keep it that way. The Russians might not care about that <laughs> stability right. of those countries at all. So, so I'm uh, what a world, what a world that you can make these wonderful, I'm pretty sure that our Isle of Wight trip is going to be the safe. Cause I don't think the Isle of Wight is rebelling against great Britain and stuff like that. But when we had friends that went on a big, African safari, and I was worried about COVID and about ongoing border conflicts there. And then they just went one to the Middle East, and it really was like two weeks after it was, it was enough time proximity and people proximity that it was like, maybe it's not going to be safe to go to those pyramids. Maybe you're not going to go to Jordan and see Petra because 
that there'll be a lockdown. They right. really will say you will not be safe there. If you go, you travel at your own risk and you might get kidnapped for ransom or whatever like that. And the uh, world could be that it's better than that, that it's not so much conflict and so much fanaticism and so much greed that I'm happy to go there and share my tourist dollars with you. I just don't want you to bring every one of them out from me for me in your prison for a while. Paul, I know a couple years ago went to Ireland and there are definitely areas they were told we're not going there. You can't go there. And my sister went to Russia for a student school trip when we were younger. And it was definitely stay with the group. Don't even think about going anywhere else. So you got to be careful sometimes. Yeah. And Colleen and I now being like retired, all the travel, we've been all over the United States and occasionally to North America, Canada and Mexico, but we're looking to expand from there. And I don't want it to be that that part of the world's closed off for the next five years. You may not be able to make it while you're still spry enough to go walking up. We'll see what happens with South America. I want to go to Iguazu Falls, but if it starts to be that there's difficulties there, difficulties in Ecuador, Colombia, you know what I mean? I want to go to Machu Picchu. What if Peru? All of those things. It's like there doesn't have to be a lot of unrest to still say, I guess I'm not going there. I yeah. Guess I'm not, I'm well, risk, so. I'm going to Florida next week. That's enough of a foreign country to me for right now. <laughs> oh, that's it's funny. We get to complain about what a crazy place that is, but at least they're not taking active captives and stuff like that. Yes. I that we know saying. of right now. That we know of. Exactly. So, <laughs> so. okay. I'm sure we got a whole bunch of things that usually we didn't get to, but yeah. the geekery aspect of, hey, truth is good. Hey, one of the joys in brief, because now we're about to end. It used to be that if you're going to do this thing, you had to look at brochures and call people and find out a place to stay and stuff like that. And it is so nice to be able to go onto the net and look at a hundred different hotels and narrow down using filters as to my wife likes a bathtub. Let's get a bathtub, not just a shower. We want to, you know, and quickly you can say, now I have nine to choose from. What's the reasonable one with seven stars or above? That's a good price. And boom, you can really make a really good choice out of all the hotels in London without having to haul around to 50 of them intercontinentally. You know what I mean? So hats off to this era of easy information and near instant communication and all that kind of stuff so that we're, we, with confidence, are staying in pretty good places over there. And every other place we're going, I'm hoping that we'll continue to. Uh, I like having that kind of information. And in fact, that's funny. I just did a big furnace search. I'm doing a little bit of investing. One of the joys of that is not just, well, I don't know, so I'm going to make a guess. And when the guess is fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a new HVAC system, it sucks to have to make a big decision blindly. And nowadays, you don't have to. It isn't right. just who's the salesperson that's going to shine you on. You really get to compare between what brands of things and what costs are included and not, and what the warranty levels are and that kind of stuff. And on balance, kind of consumer reports wise, like I always talk about, you can make a pretty good decision. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be better than a guess. You know what I mean? You're hoping that you did your due diligence that made, I'm willing to do a bunch of hours to spend $15,000 wisely. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, and it's kind of, I, when I started this off, I didn't know how much that was going to be. I really am one of those uh, older people that says, back in my day, movies cost a nickel. You know what I mean? So every time that I do a big thing, like putting a house, a roof on our house or doing HVAC, the last time I looked at this was 20 years ago. Yeah, things do change and not yeah. just better technology, but the pricing that goes with it and the inflation and the, all the, you can go into option glut where you really don't know. Do I really need that or not? And is that when you move from 90% to 92 to 96, is it this curve or is it this curve? What are you getting for your money? And 
After a while, you just kind of say, well, judgment call time. I'm going to say this was the best I could do at the time. And then right. pull the trigger. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You know, and having said that, I wonder how many people are just like, I know a guy that my brother-in-law used, and I'm going to call him and get ours done. And I'm sure there's a certain amount of that, but I got a feeling that there's all kinds of car dealers and HVAC dealers and everybody else that just make a living off of the information asymmetry, the ignorance of the consumer compared to someone who's really, hey, capitalism, compare between your alternatives and what the cost is and pick the best one. I don't think that you get a lot. Anytime that I've heard someone say he'll take care of you, really really yeah <laughs> i will say next pigeon you know the, what i mean <laughs> this new mazda um which i talked about a while back the lug nuts getting loosened on the car they checked it over tightened that up for nothing and there was oh my gosh there was something else oh the battery the battery went dead from the bat the cold weather but had it for two weeks took it in and yeah i know it's not your fault and i know you don't necessarily change it and blah 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 but oh it's a little disturbing yeah Yeah. that we came in two (laughs) weeks later and they actually comped the battery they said we put a new one in no charge go have a great day so okay I did not trust you guys. I did not like you guys. Now you've done a couple things for us and made me feel a little more better and confident. So maybe I will go back to you next time. It's that little difference. Absolutely. People can act to build trust or to just say, sorry, but you're screwed. You know what I mean? That's information too. I guess I'm never going back here for business because when I needed you to be decent about it, you chose the path of deviltry. That's (laughs) why we didn't go back to the last place because the side mirror was still in the trunk. We'd been waiting nine months for them to get the side mirror. And there were some other things happening. And they just, it's, there's no way we trust you guys anymore. You, we used to be great. Now it just seems like you're doing nothing and scamming us. We're not yeah. going back there. How long does a place do that before their reputation is shot, especially right. in today's world? See, that's what I always hope for too, is that part of what the- not only am I looking at the cost of things, but I always go read the reviews. And once in a while, there's a real nasty review that tries to torpedo a place. And it's almost obvious that that's what they're trying to do. But if you see a concerted pattern of, hey, don't buy this washer because it broke in three months. And then five other people say that, that it doesn't have initial quality. So like I, even if I kind of think that Consumer Reports knows what it's doing when it tests, apparently the real world says that there's enough lemons that I don't want to go through the hassle of installing this twice i want to have a good one that is second down in quality supposedly but that works works out of the box and sticks around for 20 years so i understand what you're saying you know what i mean that we've had good experiences like we said with our car dealers and whoever else that have been good to us when we needed them to be and then now you're my friend now at least i trust you in order to do this transaction so yep all right man okay take care see you in a couple weeks very good take care this has been the relentless geekery podcast if you enjoy our conversation please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review give us some likes it would help a lot check out our website relentlessgeekery.com where we have links to our facebook page join the conversation and go check out our youtube page where we have the video of this and other episodes You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.